Welcome back to the next episode of Trust Me, I'm Funny. I'm your host, Stella Carr, and on today's episode, I have a very interesting and old friend of mine coming back from the dead to be interviewed for this podcast. In case you're new to the show, let me give you a rundown of what it's all about. I believe that everyone has something to say, but not everyone is willing to say it. On my podcast, I interview guests that have grown to trust me or that I'm hoping to create trust with over the course of the episode. The purpose is to get listeners to feel inspired and to have similar conversations with people in their lives, continuing to build trust with those around them while using humor and having fun. So on today's episode, I'm interviewing my friend, Noah Weller. Noah, if you would please introduce yourself to the audience, the live audience of no one, and tell them how you know me. Yeah. Back from the dead, I guess. Um, so hi, my name is Noah Weller, Noah Stan Weller. Um, and I know Stella Carr from when we did BBYO, which is like a Jewish youth group that you know all us Jews like to go do. Um, and it's for like middle school, like eighth grade up through like 12th grade, right? And I think I first met her, I don't remember if it was what the same event was, what the event was, but I know that I was in, I was in eighth grade and damn, I wish I could remember what event it was. But I was in eighth grade. I remember I saw you and I was like, oh my God, Stella's like the hottest girl in the entire world. <laughs> She's, I was like, I was in eighth grade. Okay, so like, give me a little bit of a break. But, and I was uh, like ten, like it. No, like eleven. How old are you again? I'm twenty two. You said I was like eleven, like tenth, eleventh grader. I graduated in twenty sixteen. I was twenty thirteen. So you were yeah. So you were in a uh, tenth grade, tenth or eleventh. I was like sixteen. Yeah, you were like six, sixteen or seventeen. You were like seven. Yeah, I could drive. Oh, yes. You could for sure drive. <laughs> but so, yeah, I was like, damn. And from that moment, I had like a huge crush on Stella, like the whole time she was in BBYO. And um, yeah, that's it. It, it, was a, it was a forbidden love that could never happen. She never let it happen, but it's okay. <laughs> I lived. I got over it. I think that's a really great, um, a great, an accurate um, perspective of the of the friendship that we've had. I there was like a little group in my. This is my side of this the story. In yes, BYO, there was like a little clan of uh, like Noah and his friends, like that were that age. Um, yes. And I think because of like the age dynamic, um, and like obviously I'm beautiful. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Um, they were like my like fan club and yeah. that's how I perceived it. <laughs> that's so true. That's so true. It was like anything I did, like they were obsessed with me. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was uh, important uh, for my ego in high school. You know, I, I had a rough time in middle school. So like any attention that I got from boys, once my braces came off, uh, and I like started to sprout it was um, well received. And so I was like, sure, like, give me attention. Um, but no, then I actually became friends with all of you guys. Like, 
there might have been some unrequited love, but we were also like in BBYO, you spend a lot of time with people. So, yeah, no, that's true. Live, hang out, um, conventions, all kinds of activities. So, it was, yeah, some shenanigans back in the day. We did get pretty close, I remember. Yeah. I feel like because when you were just talking about, you know, you having a tough time in middle school and stuff, and like you're, and I was like, damn, I feel like we've had this conversation before. I feel like she's told me this once before. And like, that was like one of the driving factors for like, Stella, you're so awesome. You're so cool. You shouldn't like be down on yourself all the time. And yeah. so like that really tied into like what you just said there about like boosting your ego and stuff. Yeah. I feel like you were like, as you, cause I met you when you were like, what, like 13, 14 year old kid. Yeah. yeah. And so like, obviously as like, this is like 10 years later now, um legitimately 10 years later um we're like I our friendship and ourselves obviously matured over those years so even though we might have lost touch after high school like as we aged in high school I feel like I saw you and your friend like mature and so the dynamic of that friendship matured as well so I, I feel like I remember like telling you my struggles and stress back then and you were like even though you were younger you were like you got this like we believe in you <laughs> but we really did Who good times my yes. best no. go ahead are you still friends with any of those guys um um I've seen Lior and Don within the last year um, cause they're also fraternity brothers. So I, so I see them at stuff every once in a while, mm -hmm. even though I'm not really in school anymore. I'm still part of the frat. Um, let's see, Gavin, Gavin's dating, uh, Remy Schlossberg now. Yeah. So, um, that's interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, so, but I, I think I saw him maybe like within the last year or two. But I haven't seen Johnny or Roy like in a million years. Mm -hmm. I think the last time I saw Johnny was like maybe two, three years ago. Yeah, I think I don't think I've seen any of those people since like maybe my sophomore year in high, not in high school, in college. Like maybe at some party when I came back freshman year or something. Yeah. From college, but yeah, I haven't really seen any of them. It's interesting though because to some degree, I follow most of those people on social media. And so I think social media, like we, I had an Instagram and Snapchat like senior year of high school, but I think it was all still so new. And I feel like it really picked up at like with our age and like point in life. So like we, unlike obviously our parents or even some people like my brother's age, like in their thirties, like we didn't really lose touch with people in the virtual. Right. Yeah. Even though we might not have, um state like I'm probably still snapchat friends with a bunch of people that like I was close with in high school that like I don't talk to anymore but like yeah. other things it's like maybe you found someone over the year you're like oh what's this person up to and like you can figure it all out <laughs> without them knowing that you are aware so it's, <laughs> I remember yeah. I ran into friends sometimes and I'd be back from like breaks in college and I'd have to like pretend like I don't know what's going on with someone's life because like I've actually stalked them on Facebook and Instagram and I'll be like, oh, like, where do you live now? Like, oh, are you single? But like, I know the answers to all the questions, but you gotta make small talk, you know? Exactly. I have to let my puppy in. Oh, what kind of dog do you have? 
Well, it's not really my dog. It's my roommate's dog. But it's a golden doodle. Oh, those are so cute. Yeah, she's adorable. Her name's Ginger. That's a good so name cute. for a golden doodle. Yeah. You're so cute. You're a cute boy. All right. Do you have a joke to tell me? <clears throat> Damn. What's a good joke? I wanted to make like a really good Jewish joke. Not about Jews, but like. Yeah. You, you know, know what is funny? I, um, I'll, maybe this will buy you some time to think about a joke. I've noticed that I obviously have a lot of Jewish friends, but like everything that I do like ends up being that like it's a Jewish friend that like helped me. Like I started hosting like a talent show on Zoom Saturday nights because of quarantine and I'm like, what else is there to do? And literally everyone that participates and watches is Jewish. But like I've shared it with like 500 friends on Facebook probably 500 of those friends are Jewish, but like <laughs> I've shared it with like the whole world and everyone that like shows up is Jewish. And like most of the guests that I've had on this podcast so far are, are Jewish. Jewish, but it's not like I'm like, that's the goal. It's just that happened. It just happened that way. That like people who co are comfortable with me maybe, or like who trust me more in life happen to be Jewish, but I think I need to start finding creative ways to branch out of my um, Jewish interviewees. But at the same time, um, I've had a lot of different experiences in life that happen to be a Jewish event. So therefore, a lot of my friends that aren't in my everyday circle are still Jewish, but they're like in a world away, if that makes sense. That makes sense. That so makes they, sense. there's still something interesting or unique about the dynamic, but at the root of why I know them, it's because they're Jewish. <laughs> Right, right, yeah. To get philosophical real quick before I tell my joke, I got my joke now. Okay. Uh, I think that's like, I think that's like an inherent characteristic of Jews as a collective that like, there's so few of us and like, we've withstand like 5,700 years of oppression and like, we're like, but yeah, we are like the top of the top, man. Like, we, we kick ass. I'm so pro-Jew, it's awesome. But yeah, I don't know. I just think that's an like, inherent characteristic of being Jewish. Like you just are always gravitated towards each other. And it just happens that way. It's like not like it's not that you mean for it to happen, like you said. It just yeah. that's what how it happened. Anyways, um, okay, I got my joke. You All ready? Right, hear it. It's pretty good. Okay, here we go. All right. So one night. This guy, we'll call him. Um, we'll call him Isaac. Isaac uh, goes out with his uh, with his mother. She takes him shopping. She they go to a couple different stores. She he doesn't really find anything that he likes. She doesn't really find anything that fits for him. They end up at Macy's, and you know Isaac loses his mom in the the, the polo section, and she she walks over to the polos, and he sees his mom standing over there holding two polo shirts, and she's like. I'm going to buy you both of these shirts and you're going to wear one of them to dinner tonight. And he's like, all right, sounds good. So rings up the shirts, goes home, puts on one of the polos. It doesn't matter which one he put on one of them, even though, you know, he put on one of them. He goes to dinner, sits down, sees his mother there. And his mom looks at him, looks him up and down. She says, wow. So, um, 
I guess you hated the other polo then. I guess I'll just return it. Because <laughs> that's what Jewish moms do. They don't give you an option if you. But the answer would have been the same probably no matter which shirt. Exactly. <laughs> no matter which shirt he wore. It, yeah, that's why it didn't matter. Whichever one he wore, his mom would be like, oh, oh you didn't like it. You guess you didn't like the other one. Yeah. Best intentions, Jewish mothers. But I know. They're so cute, but they're a handful. My mom's always sending me links to things on Instagram like that she gets ads for. And she's like, what do you think about this? I'm like, stop buying things from Instagram ads. Or like, <laughs> like I want. Like I, if I need something or want it, I'll be sure to let you know. But don't like find weird like links to things that are like, ooh, look at these new shoes. Like, don't trust the internet. Yeah, no, my mom will send me, she'll do that for, to me too, but like, if she really like wants me to do something, right? So like, for a while, she like really wanted, she really wanted me to like, to shave more, but I wasn't shaving. And so like, she would like send me links to like those Dollar Shave Club things and stuff, like for promo codes. And I was just like, mom, I really don't want to start shaving. And she's like, but you look so handsome with no beard, Noah. And I'm like, mom, what the heck? Why can't you just love me for me? <laughs> I feel like we could start a segment given that like I am basically only interviewing Jewish people that can be called like my mom's so Jewish. Like <laughs> my, mom's so my mom's so fat. Like, well, it's like yeah. my mom's so Jewish that she like <laughs> She I'm sorry. Thing. She thinks I'm like God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that would be hilarious. I'd be down as fuck for that. All right, let's try it. Can you go first? Shit. God, what's the most Jewish thing that my mom's <laughs> done? It's hard because my mom doesn't live here anymore. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, oh. I feel like this one's not exclusively Jewish, though. Okay. But 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 it's a Jewish flair, right? Because they add the extra guilt to it, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but like, so she's been like, my mom's been wanting me to um, call her more lately, right? So you know, she'll like send. We ha I have a group chat with her and my two siblings, and she'll like daily just like post stuff in there. Just keep just keep it going, even though like no one no one's answering. Like my poor mother. Like my, I have to. I have the same message with my dad on Facebook. It's my dad to me and my brother, and relentlessly he'll send pictures. He'll send like threads that like someone share this with ten friends, like memes, gifts, and we don't reply. And literally every other day, our reply is, "Please stop sending me. I will report as spam. Please stop." <laughs> We troll him, but he's trolling us. Like he won't stop sending it. And like parents, they're they don't understand like rejection from their children. I feel like I feel like they don't understand it in a virtual sense. Yeah. Because my mom's asked me many questions about like what's ghosting. Like why do people ghost? Like what is that about? And I'm like, it's because they don't want to talk to you, mom. Like, <laughs> she's like, oh, but that's so mean. I'm like. She's like, but you do that to me. And I'm like, but I, mom, I love you, but sometimes I'm busy. Yeah. <laughs> you know? And she's like, oh, fine, whatever. Just, you know, just guilt trips me the whole way to, the whole way to town. But yeah, I have that group chat and she just sends stuff. 
no one responds and I have to respond every once in a while or else she's gonna like gonna come down on all of us and just like ultimate guilt trip to the max yeah and so I have to just like keep <laughs> keep her happy but so she, she calls me and she's just like we talk on the phone for at least an hour it's too long too long yeah and so, I, um I probably talk I think it's a very I think it's a Jewish thing depends on who you have a relationship I think for men it's probably more of a Jewish thing like yeah I talk to my mom every day like even if it's for like five minutes on the phone, most like pretty much every day. And I like have had a friend, there was a few days when I was like staying with friends and I like didn't call my mom for a couple of days. And I was like, oh, I need to talk to my mom. And they were like, why? Like, why? And I was like, well, normally I talk to her every day and like she's gonna like get mad or like be worried like if I don't like call her. And he's like, oh, I haven't talked to my mom in like a week. Like, I only talk to her maybe once a week, every couple of weeks. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah, no. Jewish mother will not let that slide. And especially for guys, like, it's it's more common. I feel like that a guy wouldn't call his mom that much, but Jewish guys like are always talking to their mom. Always, always. The amount of times I've been on the phone with a friend who's Jewish, and they say, "Sorry, I gotta hang up. It's my mom calling." Like every day. <laughs> especially now during like the quarantine times yeah of, like you're zooming to friends like hanging out whatever and like every every day I'm talking to someone and their mom calls them and interrupts just, that's so that's so Jewish my mom is so Jewish that if I don't answer return her calls within an hour she'll send a search party a search party like, oh, send a search party. Yeah, like she'll think I'm missing. Oh my gosh. When I was in high school, there was such bad cell phone reception at West Tech that like I wouldn't respond to text messages because I didn't get them. Right. And then when I would get out to a point where I have service, I'd have like angry, aggressive texts, <laughs> voicemails, like... I'm going to stop paying your phone bill if you're not going to answer my calls. And I'm like, mom, I, I couldn't answer your call because my phone didn't ring because there's no cell reception. And then it's like, oh, okay, okay. Okay, okay. Yeah, then they calm down real quick as soon as you explain it to them. They're like, oh, okay, okay. Yeah, nothing quite like Jewish guilt, though. No, nothing like it. It's relentless. But as a Jewish woman myself, I'm already training in um, the art of guilt tripping. Good. That's good. It's the only kind of trips we'll get to go on these days anyway. Oh, yeah. Rest <laughs> in peace. Rest in womp. peace to 2020, bro. Womp, womp, womp. That's the worst. The, the, the great part is that I, it's like my subconscious knew some doom was happening. Because normally, like, you're my friend on social media. You see, I'm always out and about. Yeah. The next adventure. And because I'm graduating this year, I didn't, and I, like, don't know where I'm going to be working next. Like, I was waiting to plan spring break or, like, a summer trip until, like, I know this information. Like, you know, right. like, normally I'll plan ahead and it's like, oh, it'll work out. But I was being a little more cautious. And mm -hmm. so I didn't have anything planned going into 2020. And, like, whatever I kind of had planned when the year was starting, I, like, either backed out of or, like, didn't want to have happen. And it was all stuff that would have been happening, like, this time of the year. 
And so it's like my, like I knew. So, I mean, unfortunately people had to cancel trips, but like my premonition of like, I'm not going to wait. I'm not going to plan anything. It worked out. You know, there was a reason for it. Dang. Yeah. It's weird, man. It's real weird. How have you been adjusting to, I, I mean, I don't know what your life was like before these stay at home orders, but were you pretty social or what, what's been a shift in the last couple of weeks? Yeah, I'd probably, I go out like with friends at least, you know, a couple times a week, you know, at least two, three times a week we go out and do shit mm-hmm. or even just like, go get like go to the bar and get grab a drink with my roommate mm-hmm. do that but now we can't do any of that go out for food yeah no more sushi i can't go out for sushi i have to order it such a big thing in vegas everyone by the way noah's in vegas right now oh yeah i am that's where i'm from um yeah all my friends from vegas always love sushi like i feel like people in general like sushi but like it's a thing that everyone in vegas like is always getting sushi i think it's a jewish thing because everyone that I know that really likes sushi hmm. is Jewish. But I also know some non-Jews. I take that back. I know some non-Jews that, that also. The friends I'm thinking of aren't Jewish. But, yeah, I think it's interesting in this sense. I have been appreciated, appreciating this for some reasons because I'm a very busy, like, go-go person. Mm-hmm. So when I do like get sick or have a reason where I'm like kind of stuck at home, I, I appreciate it in the sense that like, I don't need a reason to explain why I'm not doing anything mm-hmm. because otherwise I, I like beat myself up. Like if I'm sitting at home on a Saturday night, like I'm like, why am I home alone watching Netflix? Like I should be out like at a bar or like hanging out with friends. And now I don't have to do those things because I can't do them. Right. So I feel that sense of like social anxiety is gone, but I'm also someone that like seeking new experiences or finding a new thing to try or, you know, meeting up with different friends. And so I can still like call those friends that I would normally see Mm -hmm. um, doing like an activity or things like that, that I'm always on the hunt for has been paused. Um, So that's kind of the biggest like downside and also just kind of feeling even though like I can go outside and like ride my bike or something, feeling like uh, the next destination, like there's no destination is kind of yeah. weird. Um, but I, I, I feel like um, I have flashbacks to um, like when I was in like middle school or high school and in Summerlin, like the area we grew up where it was just kind of like very quiet there's not yeah. so much going on and like when you're a kid like you hang out with your friends like not all the time but I think back then we were better at like I'm just gonna go on a bike ride or like exactly like, go to the park and play basketball by myself like you would do those things more often because like either you didn't have a car or like you're not 20 like what is there to do yeah there's something to do if you're not 21 yeah and so I feel like that um energy is coming back like I'm on a bike ride and I'm like oh like it is kind of nice to just like not do anything but like be outside and like appreciate the neighborhood i live in an area uh, like i live in an apartment but the the surrounding neighborhoods by my apartment are really nice like very expensive homes and i haven't really like driven down those roads before you know i normally am on a mission like to work or to a friend's house 
So occasionally I might catch a glimpse at a house, but like I've got all the time in the world and not many places I can ride my bike. So like I've just been cruising these neighborhoods and like thinking about like, oh, what kind of home would I want? Or like, you know, in 10 years from now when the quarantine happens, like what do I want to have in the home that I live in? Right. Like it's enjoyable or just like kind of seeing different people out and about and um taking a different look at the the place I live in in this that makes a lot of sense that makes a lot of sense yeah I feel like Vegas isn't really like a place to do that I feel like I don't know because really kind of once you get out of Summerlin Vegas is kind of like cringy (laughs) yeah you know it's like a weird place to live kind of so and then or unless you're on you're either in Summerlin or on the strip or you're like in Henderson right Mm -hmm. Henderson's like a whole different ball game and then everything in between is a little bit fringe I wouldn't say I wouldn't say fringe I would say I don't know it's like I don't know. It's just like, it's not, it's not very scenic. I should say it's not scenic. Yeah. That's you know something I mean? that I've noticed living in Arizona, given that it's, it's fairly similar climate. I'd say it's a little bit more like there's different cactus and the landscape somewhat different, but relatively like the architecture and stuff has similarities. Um, there are obviously master planned communities in Arizona but the areas that are in between, in a sense, like that, that are just kind of like suburban, urban-ish areas, mm-hmm. um, most of them are a little bit more scenic or nice to drive through, even if it's not like the nice part of town. Right. Like, like the Phoenix metro area, it's still nice. Whereas in Vegas, like if you're not in one of like these bubbles of like master planned community, like they didn't there's some streets that have some investment in like roadside like art and whatnot but yeah. for the most part they don't and so it's just like streets like cement walls and sidewalk and so it's just not like pretty it's not like welcoming it's you know right and so i get that my mom actually moved from uh summerlin the area we grew up in closer mm-hmm. to downtown like off of um the 95 Okay. And, like, it's going to sound dramatic, but, like, when I first went to, like, see her new house when I came back from college, I, like, cried because it was, like, <laughs> my little, like, bubble of, like, where I grew up was burst. Even though I lived in different houses, but, like, I was just in the same, you know, community, same town, essentially, all those years. And then to, like, have her move at first, I was, like, very shaken up by it. <laughs> and I was just, like, I got over it pretty quickly when I was like, hey, it's a 15 minute drive to downtown and I'm only home like two times a year. So like, it really doesn't matter. <laughs> um, right. But it is like a different energy um, right. in other parts of Vegas. So it was um, an adjustment. And I lived there for a few months when I was home uh, between grad school and my undergrad. So uh, it's, it's to see Vegas from a different perspective than like the Summerlin bubble or people grew up in Henderson. Yeah where is somewhere that you would want to live because you've lived your whole life right in nevada and vegas? I, I was born in redondo beach california and then i moved to vegas in like summer 01 so i was like a toddler 
Yeah. So pretty much Vegas, Vegas. Yeah. I grew up here. Not born here, but I grew up here for the most part. Have there been any places that you've considered moving in your life? Um, I think I, I came to like the decision that as I've gotten older and like since I've turned 21, um, I've been able to enjoy Vegas and I kind of appreciate the, even though people think it's like it's really tacky and over the top, I appreciate the, um, I don't know. I appreciate how it's like, in, like an epicenter of like an entire industry i which i guess you could say right or you know i don't want to say lifestyle because it's not really a lifestyle but like debauchery is like the best word i can think of right now even though i that's that's not the word i want to use but that's the best one i can think of but like you, you get what i'm saying you know and I, I i appreciate that like it's unique i guess you know yeah i i would say that too when i was growing up there all i wanted to do was leave because when you're young, like, it's really, there's not that much to do. Yeah. Um, and unless you have, like, a nice house that has all the things that you could, like, entertain yourself with, like, it's kind of miserable to some. I mean, I feel like most people are, like, miserable in their youth. Like, you know, they're like, oh, woe is me. Suburbia life sucks. Yeah. Can't wait to be on your own. But I always wanted to move to California. Like, I was, like, ready to go. And once I started coming home, like from breaks in college and like seeing people like come to Vegas, like friends from other places, like talk about Vegas or want to visit Vegas. And I'd go back and like kind of have it with fresh eyes um, and appreciate it from an adult perspective. I think you do appreciate the, the place um, in a different way. And also, like, now that there's sports teams and it's getting a bit more of that, like, wholesome culture, not just, like, party, gambling, strip club. Exactly. Um, I think it's becoming more of a, like, a place that's home-based. And mm -hmm. sadly, I think part of, like, the hashtag Vegas Strong, like, the October 1, like, and yeah. I think really unified the city. Uh, but before that, I don't ever remember feeling like people were proud to be from Vegas. Yeah, same here. I, this, this is kind of like, a, it's a recent evolution that I've seen, even like in my own friends too, that like I went to high school with and middle school with and stuff. Like, even they're like, you know, as much shit, as much like shit people talk about Vegas, it's pretty pretty rad that we live here you know it's like it's cool like who gets to say i lived and lived and grew up in las vegas like las vegas is known across the world right yeah. so i mean i think that's really really cool but i mean there's definitely other places i want to live my goal is to like just be super hella rich and just get play like a bunch of like little places all over the place yeah like a place in la new york probably park city in utah place in colorado place in israel you yeah. know gotta have a place in israel though oh yeah it are you israeli no i'm not israeli but i have an aunt that lives in israel and like a whole like set of family like she's married has four kids twin daughters who both have three kids wow. and um one of my cousins he's not married and then my other cousin he uh married his partner i think just very recently like within the last like year or so last couple of years okay yeah mm -hmm. that's, i think i have some far off extended family out there but no one that like i'm connected to but 
Yeah, I think that it's um, it's interesting to see Vegas now being turned off in a sense. It's weird. I work right by Las Vegas Boulevard. Like I drive parallel to it every day on like the way to work on the way home. And I, I take Dean Martin. So like, that's one of like the back street for people who don't know. It's like one of the back streets of you know, the side streets, the back alleys. Exactly. The because of the casinos, there's an, in, there's, there's an in crowd and out crowd in Vegas. And if you're from Vegas, you're on the in crowd on the in crowd because no one likes driving on Las Vegas Boulevard. So we all learn the back streets, right? So, but Dean Martin's where all the employee garages are, right? And every day I drive, like when I would drive by, packed full, used to be, right? Like the last few weeks, empty. Like, like it's weird. Like, oh my God, like this, like this is kind of weird. Apocalyptic feeling. Yeah, it really, really is. It, I haven't driven down the strip yet because I just like, I don't know. I feel like that'd be too weird. But I was driving down the 15, going uh going south towards la and i drive drove by the strip and like all the lights were off i was just like damn this is weird like all like the lights like the hotel rooms were off yeah there was because there's no one staying in the hotel so all the lights were off right oh, it was weird because like there's always like, like a random few lights that are on yeah what are the sign lights off too no they have most of the signage still up okay i think um Wow. Yeah, they haven't gone, like, fully dark, but they got, like, most of, like, their signage up. Yeah, that's a very, like, eerie, you know, there's towns across America that are kind of turned off right now, but Vegas is such, like, a tw legitimately 24-7 epicenter there that to see it at a standstill, and not, like, there's people there, but it's shut off, like, because an emergency happened, like, there's no bodies there. Like that Yeah, like, no one. Yeah, that is very odd. I wonder what it would feel like. Could you imagine? So, right, growing up, we spend a lot of time in casinos. We've walked the strip. We've been in and out of there. There's always people in and out. There's gambling. Twenty. There's no gambling going on right now in Las Vegas. Could you imagine going through a casino right now on the casino floor and there being no noise? <laughs> that would be so scary. It w that's it like apocalyptic, man. That's like straight out of a movie. Yeah. Because there's there's always noise. Like there's the casino slot machines. There's the car. Like there's just the sound of Vegas. Yeah. And right now that sound is not happening. I, w I wish that someone could like go in and like film that. I know. I was thinking about like doing something similar. Like going in and like filming like the emptiness of the parking garages. Because yeah. it's like... These used to be filled full of cars. Yeah. Right? My brother's a, a videographer, and I keep telling him that he needs to go and, like, shoot some content. But Yeah, make content. Do what Gary Vee says. Do you watch Gary Vee? No. You don't know who Gary Vaynerchuk is? Oh, my gosh, he's the best. No, who is he? Okay, he's, like, he's a serial entrepreneur who's from New Jersey, so he's very, like, super like bravado, like kind of like that New York, New Jersey kind of attitude. But he's like a super wholesome person. It's like weird. Like he's like a multi, multi-millionaire, right? He is like the CEO of, a, of you know, a bunch of different companies. But his main thing is, um, fuck, what's it called? It's called VaynerMedia and they do advertising, right? So like a lot of like the, um, like the 
the peanut commercial from the Super Bowl. He did that. He, his company produced that. They produced a few of the other Super Bowl commercials for like, so they work with like really big, big, big brands. Okay. And so, and he like does public speaking and stuff. And he's always talking about like happiness and like, you know, human resources, like focused CEO. And like, I don't know, he's, you look him up in your free time. He's a very, very interesting character. Yeah. He sounds like a, a cool cat. He is a cool cat. It's, have you watched Tiger King yet? No, okay, I haven't watched it yet. Okay, well, the one of the crazy ones, she goes, hey, all you cool cats and kittens, it's Kissel. It's <laughs> <laughs> a cool cats and kittens. You know, my mom almost named me Kitty. Kitty Car. Kitty Car. <laughs> Kitty Car. Delacar. If I was Kitty Car from Las Vegas, mm, I would have been destined to be a stripper. Yeah. All right. Yeah. What is it that you get excited about? If you could give a TED talk about something, what is it that you would talk about? I feel, wait, I'll give you something to think about it. Unless you have something to say. But I was going to preface that with, I feel like you always post up on like Facebook or Instagram that can sometimes be controversial. And sometimes like, I don't even know how, like, I can't tell if I agree or disagree with your opinions, like politically or whatever. And like, we don't need to get into like the nitty gritty, but like I, if that has something to do with like your interests or your hot, like you can talk about that. Or if it's something totally different, like I'm like curious, like what's going on in that head. (laughs) All right. That I was going to go somewhere completely different, but I want to do this because I like this better. Um, Now I want to know where you were going to go with it. I do that. I do it on purpose. Okay. Right. So I purpose. I I purposely play both sides of the coin. We'll, we'll say you know because I I I disagree with partisanship so much, like that I I, I refuse to affiliate with a party. The only reason why I have to is because I want to be registered to vote. Right. So in 2016, I registered as a Republican because there was no one running on the Democrats. There was, there was two people, Bernie and there was one other guy, but it was basically Bernie and Hillary and everyone knew Hillary was going to get it anyways. So like there was no point in registering as a Democrat because in Nevada, you have to be a Republican to in, board, in order to vote in the primaries, in the Republican primaries. You have to be a Democrat to vote in the Democrat. You can't. Right. So, but then this year in 2020, I registered as a Democrat because all the Democrats were running, right? So I, I switched because I want to, you know, who's, who's running against Trump, right? It's, it, you know, there's nothing to do, you know? Yeah. But so that's one of the reasons. Another reason is um, I'm very, I very much, I, I, I classify myself as a classic liberal. And what a classic liberal is, and it's like, you can look up like a, like a standard dictionary definition, but from what I've come to define it as, as a classical liberal is someone, <clears throat> excuse me, is someone who um, believes in the sovereignty of the individual person and they, each individual person has um, inalienable rights that are naturally given to them once they're born and it's life, liberty, and the ability to own property or the right to own property. And on, e- on each of those things, no one else can come in and tell you basically you can't do those things because I'm living on my property. So I, I'm living on my property. 
I'm allowed to do and say whatever it is I want, right? As long as it's not harming and hurting and infringing on other people's rights, then there should be no government intervention. The government shouldn't have to tell me what to do, mm-hmm. right? So I believe in the sovereignty of the individual. Um, so that's basically what a classic liberal is. So any sort of like policy opinion that I have always traces back to that. Like what's the most efficient way to do something to implement a reform or to implement a new policy that minimizes government, federal government intervention and that has less unintended consequences than previous programs and how do we mitigate that and either give more, give more things to the states, more things to local governments, um, or more things to the people, right? So balanced policy. Um, so that's one of the other reasons why, mm-hmm. you know. Um, do you think you, would you view yourself as a libertarian or no? No, because libertarians are literally almost anarchists, yeah. right? Like libertarians, like they don't want any government whatsoever yeah. to like be involved with anything. Like their core, their, the, the core principle of being a classic liberal is that as long as what I'm doing does not infringe <laughs> other people's rights, you have to have respect for your fellow man and their rights and their abilities to do whatever it is that they want to do, right? You know, so like, if there's some, you know, guy across the street, right, and he's raking his leaves at like three o'clock in the morning, like, what the heck, man, that sucks, right? But it's his property, he's allowed to do whatever he wants to do, right? What, can, what I mean, I could go over there and have a conversation with be like, hey, man, I appreciate, I, I know you got like late rake your leaves, but like, could you not do it at three o'clock in the morning, right? And you have that conversation a couple of times, he doesn't do it, well, then shit, like, you know, there's nothing really you can do, you just gotta live with that. Right, so uh, that's that's an example. Oh. Hello, Jasmine. One of my roommates is home. It's okay. I'm gonna take this upstairs though, because I know you're gonna be making noise down here. <laughs> okay, cool. Do you need me to move this? Okay, cool. Because I'm gonna come. Oh, okay. Uh, feel free to. Uh, uh, you never- <laughs> yeah, for, feel free to dab, bro. Thanks. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I'll be back later. Where do Peace you out. live? I live with my bigs. So I was in API, which is the Jewish fraternity, as you very well aware. And for people that aren't familiar with like how Greek life works, you're either like if you're in a fraternity, you're a brother and your fellow, you know compatriots or your also your brothers and a sorority of sisters so in a fraternity you get a big bro and <clears throat> they're kind of like your mentor throughout the whole thing and then ginger go away please thank you and then um you can also like there's a lot of crossover right because the social fraternities like they always want to hang out with sororities it's very much like stereotypical how it is in the movies um so you get a big sister too. And she's kind of like your female mentor a little bit. So my bigs happen to be dating each other. So I live in the same house as my bigs. Okay. Long story short. By the way, Noah, how tall are you now? I haven't seen you in human form in a while. I'm I'm 5'10". That's good. Good for you. It's a disappointment. I wanted to be six foot. Okay. Yeah, it is. And I'll be six feet. Yeah, I know. I know. It's okay. I'll live. 
All right, so I interrupted you earlier. You were going to say something before I prefaced you about the politics thing. What was your original thought? Okay, um, so something I would give a TED Talk about um, would be a kind of we were talking about it before we started was uh, I've been on a huge personal finance kick this last 18 months or so. And to give a little context for that, so the... Um, 2018 like may of 2018 i dropped out of school and i started um uh, i had a startup company and so i did that for and real quick the startup company it was i'm a huge stoner so i smoke a lot of weed and so i was like i was working for weed maps at the time and i had to follow all these like weed pages on Instagram and I would just see like new products, like smoking products all the time. Like not necessarily like new strains, but like new products to smoke out of. And I was just like, Oh, this is super dope. Why is there not like a central location where I can shop for all this stuff at the same time? Like not in Amazon for weed. So I was like, boom, there's my idea. And I did all the research and like, shit, no one has an Amazon for weed. Well, this is dumb. Um, I'm going to do it. So that's what I started to do. I did it for about a year and a half, had a team of five, um, I hired the former CEO of Cricket Wireless to be my COO. Um, I had a web designer, you know, like the whole nine yards. Like it was legitimate as fuck. And then I just ran out of capital because it was all self-funded. Like I funded the whole thing. I put about $10,000 of my own money into it. Um, and then five thousand, an additional 5000 for my father. Um, and then, yeah, ran out of capital, uh, failed pretty epically i wouldn't say pretty epically like pretty yeah it was epic it was an epic failure and so but then i got i got into a lot of debt right because i racked up you know ten thousand dollars you know worth of shit so i had a lot of credit card debt and i had my student loan debt that started you know i had to start making payments on because since i dropped out of school they kind of hit you early on hey pay this. And so I had that and I had to pay off my last semester from school. So I just had a bunch of debt. I was just like, damn, if I want to, you know, live my life and have the lifestyle that I want to live. And I know that's going to be a very expensive lifestyle that I, th this shit, this shit can't happen. Like I got to find a way to like get this in order and do it as quickly as possible and how to save money and invest money and do all this stuff. So since like 2019, like May 2019. No, not May 2019. I'd say January 2019 because the business like started to fail around January or February. Either way, beginning of 2019. And I was just like, did this whole personal finance kick. I just started learning everything about investing, how to like properly, you know, save for retirement and things like that, how to create an emergency fund, how to track what you're spending, you know, the whole nine yards, what to invest in when you get a Roth IRA. Cause people say, no, oh, you should get a Roth IRA. Well, no one explains to you what a fucking IRA is. And I mean, they probably did in, I know they taught me in economics. So like I knew what a Roth IRA was, but like most people like, they're like, what's a Roth IRA? And it's like a brokerage account that you, what? Oh, not me. Oh, she was yelling at me. Um, 
it's just a brokerage account that you use to trade stocks, but you just can't pull your money out until you're 59 and a half years old. And it, and it occurs interest, you know, and it compounds there. Right. So I was like, Oh, that's cool. You know, and you know what, what kind of things do you invest in? Like, Oh, you usually invest in like index funds with that. Right. Because you know, index funds like the S and P 500 over the last, you know, 150 years or however long, you know, we've been recording stock, you know, history, right. The S and P 500 has gone up, you know, eight, eight, 9%, like and the average over the last 150 years. So, I mean, it's like the safest investment you can do. And that's like what you want to do with retirement. You know, and that's just an example. Right. So yeah, that's, that's kind of what I would, uh, that's what I would give my Ted talk about. I'd probably be a little bit more structured than all that, but you know, yeah. Do you feel like that direction is the type of work that you want to go into next is like finance or economics related? Um, no, no, not really. Um, I just find it interesting and it's really important to know. And I think it's really like this really basic stuff that, that like should, there's like really basic stuff that then you kind of really just gloss over in high school or don't even teach it at all. And it's like how to be a freaking adult, you know, and personal finance is like literally like the key to all of that stuff. Because if you can't handle your finances, how do you expect to, f to fucking live, man? You can't pay rent. You can't buy a phone. Like you can't have health insurance, like shit, you know? And I, I just feel like there's a, there's a lack of education and there's a disconnect from um, how, how, how the game is supposed to be played as to how it's being taught to be played, mm -hmm. if that makes any sense, right? Because if you think of capitalism as like this big game that we're all playing, that right? We've all agreed that free markets is, is what's working. We're all going to agree to play this game, you know? And yet we have people who advantage and don't there's not an equal playing field for everyone to start at right so what's one of the ways that we could close that gap right some people like to stay on the far left some people like to say affirmative action or you know a bunch or you know send more money to the to inner schools right um bus kids out of the inner schools into uh other schools you know in better areas how do you determine what you know is like a whole like a whole bunch of like random stuff i'm like okay but like what, what does that do? Like that feel, there's, there's pros and cons to that. What's the way we can close the gap? Teach everyone how to play the fucking game. Mm -hmm. If everyone knows the rules, you know, it doesn't, it shouldn't, it sh if everyone knows the rules, idealistically, it shouldn't matter where, where you start financially in life. Maybe you'll get there faster than others. If you start, you know, if your dad's a multi-billionaire, right? And he leaves you, you know, a nice trust fund, right? Or <laughs> exactly. But you know, or, or it like, or it doesn't matter if you're, you know, you grew up in the Bronx, right? And you know, like, you know, living in like a, a two bedroom apartment with like eight family members, you know, like shit, you know, the, the great thing about the United States of America is that you have the ability or the, the beautiful thing was that the, the original dream was to have everyone to have the ability to be their own person and make themselves whatever they want to be. Right. And it's, a, it's really unfortunate that we have gone away from that so dramatically. 
on both sides of the spectrum, on the left and on the right. And it like, that's one of the, re back to politics, <laughs> tie it all together. You know, like that's one of the reasons why I just like, I'm like, ah, oh, man, just like everyone shut the fuck up. <laughs> like it's like, it's really not, I, I, I feel like there's a lot of really simple things that can be done if people would set politics aside and you know, a, a lot of other shit. Um, so I know one of the things that I want to do is I want to start a school when I have, you know, all the money in the world, right? I, you know, I, all the money in the world, I say, but you know, I'll just have like 1% of whatever, you know, Bill Gates's wealth is just 1% is fine. Um, right. But I want to start a school and I, you know, I've been thinking like, okay, how can I design a curriculum? Like I'm not an education expert, right? So I can't design the whole curriculum, but like what kind of components should be included to be taught K through K through 12, right? And that all build on each other and that will help them in the long run to explain why things are the way they are and what happens when we stray away from those things. I think that's very important. And I, th and I feel like it can be done. And if no one, if someone does it before me, then I want to be involved with that. Or if they don't want me, then that's fine, I guess. But you know, I'll cry a little aside. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so I don't want to necessarily go into finance, but to be, I, it's personal finance has become like a real core component of like who I am as a person. Yeah. So you mentioned that your your startup failed. Is there anything that you feel comfortable sharing about what you learned from that experience of epic failure, as you said? Oh my gosh, I could, I could go, I could go on. Honestly, it in a, in a few statements. What was the the biggest thing would be um, allocation of funds. Determine what's going to start generating revenue first and put funds towards that, right? So as an example, I misallocated funds heavily. I spent way too much money on the development and the design and the build of my website that I had no money left over to do any kind of marketing, right? And it's interesting because we'll, people will be like, well, no, can't you just do Instagram and Facebook ads? Those things are cheap as hell. Not for the products that I was selling because it was, considered a uh, tobacco shop right or like online you know mm. online smoke shop right so it's against instagram and facebook's and snapchat's and twitter's community guidelines mm. so and at this point i haven't i hadn't discovered gary v who is the marketing god i hadn't discovered him yet so i was just I had nowhere to go the only advertising i could pay for was print advertising or you know in like cannabis magazines or pay you know a bunch of money to get ads put up on um like other big cannabis websites mm -hmm. and so it was i didn't have the money to be able to do all that stuff effectively mm -hmm. so allocation of funds would be the number one thing and the second thing is learn how to structure business deals when when you're trying to acquire partners and don't give up equity either because if you're if if you if you're really an entrepreneur and you want to do entrepreneurship and you want to start companies, whatever your first company is, is not going to be the, la the last company that you have. It's probably going to be one of the first companies that you end up get rid, get rid of or you have such a minority share in it at you know, 40, 50 years down the road that you, know, it's, you have moved on to bigger and better things, right? So giving up 
equity in order to acquire a really great partner who can help you push things forward and kind of be as a mentor for you, especially if you're young, is another huge thing. So those two things I would say are like the biggest things. Allocation of funds, know what's going to generate you revenue, and don't be afraid to give up equity to get a really, really great partner and funding. What about personally? What's something that you've learned from or grew from in this experience? Um, personally, I, it kind of solidified a lot of like my ideals and point of views of, of kind of everything I've just like already talked about. Mm -hmm. It's, um, I, I've really, I, it really kind of made me, I was like, wow, I learned more in this last year of running a startup than I did in all four semesters I was in school, right? I, I wasn't in school that long. I was only in school four semesters, right? So that's two years, right? Um, and so I was just like so fed up with the institution of education, right? Education as it stands as a, like a higher, higher education as it stands as an institution. I was just like, this shit sucks. It's just, just glorified high school. I'm jumping through the same damn hoops that I had to jump through in high school in order to get to this shit that I want to freaking learn about. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, this is a waste of time and it's a waste of money, right? Unless you're going, unless you know, like, I want to be a doctor. I want to be a lawyer. I want to do something in STEM. I want to do something in the medical field, you know, be a, you know, have a profession, then by all means go do your undergrad, you know, go do whatever. Or like, you know, if you know exactly what you want to do, Mm -hmm. right be a teacher so on and so forth you know someone like you know whatever yeah i guess you know, you know you know what i mean you know but social workers you know shit like that like go to college right maybe you don't need to go to university and spend thirty thousand dollars thirty thousand dollars a year to you know get your you know license and degree and you know your credentials to be a social worker right mm -hmm. you know but it, you might be said significantly less i don't think university is for everyone and i think i was one of those people where like this is a waste of time and if the universities want to comp continue to compete with how you can take courses online now they have to completely reinvent the way that they do college well now all school is online thanks to coronavirus 2020 <laughs> exactly exactly now a brief word from our sponsor this has been a paid partnership by the campaign for president 2020 coronavirus they'll be there for you no they won't anyway could you imagine if covid19 became like a red like remember harambe when this is harambe for president like what if someone like made like corona for president so, so. Oh my gosh, I, we should make like stickers that look like campaign stickers. COVID, COVID 2020. COVID 2020, like, it, like blue and white. I feel like you could, you could draft that up. We should, we could be like, um, like Reddit sticker salesmen. That'd be hilarious. I'd be down. Huh. That'd be so funny. I know. Okay, now comes a time when I turn the tables and put the trust in your hands and allow you to ask me a question. He, he's he's uh, visually grabbing the trust. <laughs> can't see because this is a podcast. Um, now you can ask me any question or questions that you have a burning desire to ask. 
since I have grilled you and you have so patiently participated? Hmm. Well, first, I just want to say thanks for like, this is really cool that you're doing this, by the way. And I really, really like it. I really, I really liked your whole intro to the whole thing too, about, you know, reestablishing trust and things like that, you know, especially like, because I do remember us being like really close and stuff when we were, when we were younger, you know, and like just having this conversation with you has really kind of reminded me of that. And I'm like, Oh, my heart hurts, <laughs> but, but it hurts in a good way. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I'm just like, yeah, I, I just really like, and I, I really think this is cool that you're doing this. Um, but I do want to know kind of why you've kind of started to do this i want to know what the whole background is for that yeah so i actually had the idea first in like the fall of 2017 uh when i moved to washington dc for an internship i mm -hmm. um i started getting really into podcasts so i was listening to them all the time so i was taking public transportation like didn't really have any friends out there so i was like just had a lot of free time um, and as I was there, you know, in this hotbed of politics and feeling like no one's listening to each other, like everyone's just talking and nobody's really hearing. But meanwhile, I'm observing like all these different types of people interacting like in public spaces, different class levels, just different racial, ethnic backgrounds, like just people watching. I realized like eavesdropping on conversations, like I just realized that people have you know, everyday people have something unique to share too. And I think a lot of these platforms and places that are, you know, get attention in media, um, even in like the social, you know, social realm, not like big media, um, focus on somebody who has quote unquote accomplished something in their life, you know, like they've been renowned for something or they're an expert in something or they've written a book or they're a celebrity of some degree. And you know, I think that that is good to role model after and to have goals and be inspired by people like that. But also, I think that you can have those same, you know, I think people who may not be on anyone's radar have experienced life as well. So they probably have wisdom to share. They've got life lessons. And who's to say that they're, I've come up with plenty of ideas and then seeing somebody who is a celebrity have the same idea, but because they have celebrity, like their idea is amazing. Same idea I had, I didn't know they thought of it. And then you find out it's happening. So ideas, I think the human consciousness, I think is one umbrella. And like, we, uh, it's getting like super like metaphysical, philosophical. But like, like everyone has a unique perspective. Yeah, everyone has their own perspective, but there's no like unique, like I could share something with some wisdom that I've learned. That same wisdom could have been learned by somebody who is more famous than me or more world renowned. And they could say that same token as I could say, but because they have a bigger audience or they have uh, more clout, oh, okay. mm -hmm. it's going to be received differently no one's going to listen to me, right? Like no one's going to hear me say, I could be talking to my child, right? And tell them this wisdom and it could be super profound, but nobody would know. And no, and that doesn't discount what 
weight that information has. So basically, I wanted to create a platform where, you know, I don't know celebrities, but I know a lot of interesting people. I know people who I just know, and I think I can find um, the source of something in them that gets them excited or that they could be an expert on or whatever that is and give them a platform to share and speak as if they are that, you know, really important person that's on like an NPR radio show because it's just a matter of um, where you are in life and who's recognized you for those things. And so if I have connections to people who I think have something to say or who are, you know, want to speak up about something, why not create that space? Uh, And so I eventually, it took me like, oh my gosh, like a year from like idea to like actually like starting to like make moves on like actually doing it. Um, And then I actually made like episodes and recorded it like a year ago, like a bit more than a year ago. And then it just got, you know, being in school, having internships, like traveling, like it was just a lot to keep up with. And so it tapered out and it's been something that like the last few months I've been like, I need to do it again, you know, like I want to get back on it. Um, And now that I have more time and, you know, all there is to do as far as connect socially right now is through like talking to people and virtually, I think it's a great time to um, to be doing this again and also to kind of capture the moment um, that we're all in together and um, maybe hopefully people will listen now that they don't have much else to do but I still probably won't get many listeners but that's okay you can always run ads yeah well the platform that I'm using um dropping an ad here you won't hear it Noah but the audience will hear it um and if enough people listen to it I get revenue aka so far I've earned 55 cents (laughs) um all right is there any other questions that you have for me Noah um yeah of course um what do you want to do when you're done with grad school? I am going to work for a local government. Um, I'm probably going to be moving from Arizona. And I have a couple things in the works right now, so I don't know exactly where I'm going to end up. But, yeah. What are you, but doing what for the local government? Um, I'm in the interview process for a sustainability director position. And um, the other position is with um, a city manager's office as a management analyst. So I'd be working on uh, sustainability projects and some planning projects and economic development. Um, and yeah so like sustainability in what sense like give me an example um like climate action plans so like okay that kind of sustainability that's what i thought okay interesting so wait so then what are you getting your master's in right now then public administration Mm -hmm. and what did you do your undergrad 
environmental sustainability. Mm, smart cookie you are. Put the two together. Yeah. Have you known that you wanted to do this for a while or like is this something that's kind of up? Um, it's kind of been like the end goal for a while, but along the way I've had many life um like side goals if that makes it like things that i'm like oh maybe i'll do this instead or maybe i'll do that but in reality this is kind of the direction i wanted to go but i think you know with times of fear and not knowing what to do you're sometimes they're excited about something and wanting to chase it like oh maybe that'll be what i need to do because that'll get me the job or that'll you know give me new skills and so i think sometimes I steer off but in the end that's kind of what I knew I wanted to do and when I like interview for things like that or like actually go over my res like that's what I'm qualified to do so some other things I could do but it's more of a stretch to like paint that picture for someone mm -hmm. um, so yeah so it, working for government like the end goal or like do you eventually like want to go into the private sector and use your credentials um i used to, i used to want to be um a politician so i think if the time and like place in life works out to like run for office sometime then like maybe um i think i'd be interested in switching between private and public sector in my career um yeah interesting now do you want to play a game i'm done playing it all right let's see we can play rock paper scissors two truths and a lie or are there any other games that you can think of that we can play given our circumstances right now mm. the journals is probably the only ones i can think of Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, let's do two truths and a lie. I'm good at that one. Okay. All right, let's play a game. We're about to play two truths and a lie. You go first, Noah. Oh, okay. Um, okay. I've met Adam Sandler. Um, I have a sister who went to Harvard on a harp scholarship. I've met the prime minister of Israel twice. Oh, that's a good, you, I thought I had it. And then I was like, wait, uh, you've only met the prime minister once. No, I've met him twice. I, I had a feeling you went with school, right? Hmm? Was this with school? Yeah, I went with, I met him once with school and once when I was on a trip with a, with our a, 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 few, a former mutual friend of ours <laughs> who will remain nameless. You know what friend you're talking about. Did you ever go on one of their big epic, like, all the time? Yeah, things? Yeah, all the time. Off, uh, when we stop recording, I want to Off the record, I'll tell you. Off the record. Um, and. So your sister went to Harvard and she's a harpist? No. 
totally made that up. There was a girl though that I went to high school with. Well, I didn't go to high school with her. She graduated before I was in high school, but she went to Adelson and she went to Harvard on a harp scholarship, I think. Okay. Did you meet um, Adam Sandler because of our mutual friend too? Yes. Yeah, I figured. I think I remember that. Yeah, I met him. We were standing in line for like, we were in Malibu and we were standing in line at Malibu Yogurt and he's like I was like he was like behind like behind me in line so I wasn't looking and I was like talking to someone and then I turned around and I was like oh and that's Adam Sandler and I turned back around to talk to my friend not realizing like that was at like it didn't click in my head first and then I turned back around I was like holy shit that's Adam Sandler yeah. and I kind of like freaked out for a minute but he was like the coolest dude ever so cool. all right now it's my turn um Okay, I've gone skydiving, I've broken a bone, and I have four tattoos. I don't think you have the tattoos. <laughs> Darn. Damn, I don't know, this is hard. <laughs> Uh, I feel like you would go skydiving, but at the same time, I feel like you totally would have broken a bone too. So I don't know. I would, I would say you haven't gone skydiving. No, I've gone skydiving. I was, I knew it. I shouldn't have doubted myself. That was a good one. Those were good ones. Those were good ones. (sighs) Okay. We made it through. Are you going to do it again? You want, we could do another one if you want. I don't care. Okay, let's do it again. One more round. Okay. Um, I used to study electrical engineering when I went to school at UNLV. Um, I was accepted into the Berklee College of Music in Boston for piano. And need another good one. And I know how to play the guitar. Hmm. You didn't get accepted to Berkeley. I did actually. Bro, you play piano? Yeah, I do. You also play piano for me sometime. I will. Um, you still play? I wish I still played. I don't have a piano to play with anymore. I haven't. I mean, I still play when I can, right? But like you still. Have, yeah, yeah. I just don't have anything to practice with at home. But one day. Um, you, what was the first thing you said? Um, I studied electrical engineering. I don't believe that. I did study electrical engineering. You don't know how to play guitar? I had no idea how to play guitar. I did take guitar lessons when I was like seven or eight. 
That's funny. Okay, now my turn. Um, yeah. Hmm. It is hard. The second the second round's way harder. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I've gone hunting. I used to be a vegan and I eat kosher. You don't keep kosher. I do. Do you really? Mm -hmm. Oh, I'm so proud of you. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> then you haven't gone hunting. Fact, I have not gone hunting. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, this has been a fantastic episode of Trust Me, I'm Funny, where I think that I've regained my friend Noah Weller's trust as he has regained mine. Ooh. And today we've covered topics such as failure, the political system that is America, USA. throwbacks to high school and juvenile romance and fan girl clubs, <laughs> Vegas life back in the day as an adult and currently during quarantine times, as well as some other uh, interesting things along the way. What were your biggest takeaways, Noah? <sighs> biggest takeaways. Well, the fact that I get to see my, uh, I, I get to see my person that I've been fangirling for for the last, you know, however long. Still, I still, I still root for you, Stella, even though you, you don't, you don't hear me all the time. Oh. <laughs> I'm still rooting for you. Um, yeah. And like, it's, it was interesting to, it was, it was fun to like hear what you remembered from like the very early beginnings of like our friendship and stuff. I thought that was like, I was like, ah, like that made me feel so warm and fuzzy inside. Yeah. I always wonder when I have memories like from the past, if the people in those memories have that same memory and if like they like do something and they're like, oh, last time I was here, like I was with Stella, you know, like the same way I would think that, like, I wonder if other people think that. So it's fun when you get to reminisce together with someone and you're like, okay, like, I'm not crazy like that. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. It's always like, like you think you remember certain things. Right. And like, you always have to like, you need someone to fact check you. Cause like mm -hmm. you think you remember one way, but that could happen the other way. And you're like, Oh yeah, that's right. It did happen that way. Yeah. You know, it's fun. Well, this has been very fun for me and I'm glad that we could connect after all these years. I mean, we've connected on social media the last 10 years, but 10 years of knowing someone being able to dive into a different subject. Um, and I thank you for coming on my show today, Noah. Well, I thank you for having me. It's been <laughs> awesome. I loved it. Awesome. Well, 
Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of Trust Me, I'm Funny, where I interview people in my life who I think have an interesting story to tell and try and build trust with them while having some fun along the way. If you enjoyed this podcast, share it with your friends. And if you think you have what it takes to be interviewed, then let me know and I'm happy to set it up. Bye for now.